Hi, my name is Lena Chang. Today's February 5th, 2020, and I'm here with... Frangina Johnson. Over the phone at the Central Library for the Our Streets, Our Stories project at the Brooklyn Public Library. So could you share us your reflections today on 1619? Mm, that's a loaded question. Um, my reflections on 1619, I would say even before that, in the 1500s, we were brought to other continents, South America, Europe, and then coming here to North America. And mm -hmm. I believe that it was the start of diminishing us as a human being. And as we were diminished in our culture, in our language, it has been a continuation. One of the things that really bothers me is what is it that we've done as a people, and not African, but African-American, mm -hmm. that we're hated so much. I mean, by so many groups of people. They have been trained to dislike us, to, to give mm -hmm. us the least amount of anything, to make sure that it's very difficult to be successful. And mind you, someone would say, well, oh, no, I disagree with that because we had a black president and so-and-so owns a company and this one has that corporation and someone was successful in sports and dance. Well, those have been the chosen few. And mm -hmm. those people have gone through, which we will never know the depth of what they've gone through to accomplish what they have accomplished. But maybe if you take that on a ratio of people who live here who has just everyday people who go to work and come home and take care of their children, I would say maybe one in every 200,000. And and we, as black people, spend the bulk of the monies that are made by a lot of corporations. So what is this hatred? And so for me, I keep thinking that we are always supposed to be in a state slave mode, no matter how far we come. And then if we are or seeming like we're not in a slave mode, they have changed everything according to the times, and we're right back in the slave mode. For instance, like right now today, there are so many. Um, I just read an article about they're closing, I think, 23 schools in Philadelphia, and then they're building, spending $400 million to build a new prison. So what does that say? That says that, to me, that that's slavery in another mode. It's slavery all over again. You can't mm -hmm. learn how to do because we're going to take the education away. You're not going to be able to learn how to do math. Our children no longer know how to do the things that are necessary to survive. Like when I was going to school, we had home economics. So at least you could survive. You would learn how to cook. You would learn how to sew. The guys would have shops. They would have a skill. They would know how to just survive. They would know how to take things and make new dishes. And that's what we learned as growing up as slaves. But it's getting to the point now where our children have the ability to go to school for free, but they don't want to learn how to read. And I've seen teachers not want to teach our children. They will say they have to sit there and sound it out. So they uh they're not they have the right. It's their right to learn how to read and do math. And now that they've taken 
we can't even identify an individual by their signature because children have been taught that it's not necessary. They don't need to learn how to write in script. Well, why not? Mm-hmm. What What are you going to distinguish yourself with when it comes to your signature? You don't even mm-hmm. need to sign a check anymore. You just get it deposited. So for lack of a better term, it's dummying up the African-American race all over again because, and the reason why I say it that way is because mm-hmm. Africans can come here and accomplish more than what we who have been here have accomplished. And then there's mm-hmm. such a, a stigmatizing of, you know, it's hard. That that book, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, that, that's real mm-hmm. because there's trauma behind everything that we've gone through. And Africans will tell you, I don't understand how you've lived in America and you can't accomplish anything. They don't understand what the system has done, is doing to make sure that we only get to a certain level and then only a certain percentage of us will go past that level. And, I mean, you have to work really hard. I mean, so Mm -hmm. hard that something has to be let go. So if you have a family, and I probably need to go back some, but if you have a family whose parent or parent is depending on the oldest to help take care of the family so the struggle wouldn't be so hard, and that person wants to accomplish, let's say what they say we all do, play basketball. And they know that in order to be called, to be picked, to be chosen um, for the tryouts, for the NCAA, for whatever it is that's going to take them to the next level, they have to work hard, get up in the morning, practice, go to school, practice, do something for their parents, practice. Before you go to sleep at night, practice. Do your homework, practice. And then they say, well, Mm -hmm. he did it. Now, he might have had a support system. He might have had a support system. Some people don't have a support system at all. They just have a dream, and nobody else has a dream but them. So I was wondering, when you were growing up, did you feel like you had the support system that you needed, not just from your family, but also in the world, like through the educational system, for example? Okay, well, for me, that's a twofold question. Um, I've never had the support. The mm-hmm. only way I had support was that my mother knew that reading was very important, and so she made sure that before we went to kindergarten, we knew how to write and we knew how to read. And so when I got to school, that put me at a different level than most children of color, black children. It put me at a different level. It put me at the, you know, back in the days, schools were, and they probably still are, classes were, you know, the smartest and the next, second, so on, the third smartest, so on and so on. And then the kids who just not, didn't know how to read, didn't know how to write, didn't know how to do math, and they were trying to teach them. So it put me at a different level. And it put me at the head of my grade. And so I was able mm-hmm. to be exposed to things that most children were not exposed to. I would be able to go to classical concerts, um, Shakespearean plays, um, reading the classics that most children did not read, be able to take a foreign language, be in science projects, those things. And that then 
were available to me because I was in a certain level in my grade. Um, my mother, if I it was, and it was homework. So because I would always say it was homework, she would always be there to help me um, get it done. And then she was creative as well. So she would teach me some things, but then after we started getting older, because of the type of home that I grew up in, the system of support was gone. After the fifth grade, it was over. So I had to do everything on my own. I had to get myself in school. I had to transfer myself if I needed to be transferred. I had to do everything myself as if I was my mother and Mm -hmm. forget my dad. So um, it it was hard. And um, the school itself, as long as you were able to keep up and learn, then you were good. But once you stopped being able to keep up and learn, then it was like, well, sorry, you have to go the class is under us, and um, I hope everything mm-hmm. worked out for you. There was never any real support system mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you also asked me about the community, right? Right. So in the community, because most most people, black people that I was around didn't know how to read, didn't know how to write. My father had a fourth grade education. That was it. Even though he mm-hmm. ran a business. So he ran a business because he had a good trade, a good skill. And back in those days, uh, people, men weren't making money like my dad. So it was a very uh, state of ambiguity in terms of our living. So it was good on one end, but it was bad on the other. And um, what ends up happening is that even though you have availability to do things that you don't are not educated, that you become ignorant, and so it's a then it be that's to me is what is called the generational curse because it's not mm-hmm. passed on, uh, the wealth is not passed on. You're not educated, so you don't have that to pass on. You're on your own. So if you have mm-hmm. a dream, the dream is you have a dream. That's it, and then you have to go outside of your immediate community to get help. Right. When you were growing up, were there any stories that were shared in your family or even from your grandparents on what it was like growing up in the past? Yes, it was. I mean, first of all, on my father's side, I never knew my grandparents. I don't know what they look like. Never seen them. So, and then my grandparents on my mother's side, I probably saw them twice because everybody was trying to escape the South because they thought that the North was going to give them a different life. Mm -hmm. So my parents both left the South and um, moved to New York, thinking that New York was the place to be. And it could have been, but there were prejudices in New York. But I grew up in a Jewish community. I grew up in Williamsburg, and it was really interesting mm-hmm. because um, we kind of stayed apart but mingled together at the same time. They never mm-hmm. bothered us except for one time. Um, so I don't know. I guess I've been dealing with racism all my life, and so the stories that I've heard is that um, 
you know, my father never talked about his childhood. And then mm-hmm. um, I remembered one time at one of my uncle's funerals, I said to a cousin of mine, I said, I don't get it. I don't understand why he can have a business and mm-hmm. think that he has arrived. And he said, well, to him, he has arrived. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, when you've grown up in um, houses with dirt floors and you have one hut where you sleep in that, one uh, shack that you cook in and um, one shack for something else, I don't remember. And they were, um, um, what do they call them, when they um, worked the field for a plantation owner. Mm-hmm. They they weren't called, it's like peons or something like that. So but it was still slavery. So my fa- I didn't know that. I always thought that my people on my father's side and my mother's side were free. And then mm-hmm. they said, uh, he said to me, so you had to go to the outhouse to use the bathroom. You didn't have any hot water. So now your father has a business, even though he messes up his money. Y'all have hot water. He thinks that's a good thing. And you have a bathroom, and he thinks that's a good thing. And you live in mm. a house, an apartment where, you know, all the rooms are separate and you have heat. He thinks he's doing good. And I said, wow, I didn't know that. If that was him, I would think I was doing good too. Mm-hmm. And my mother said that she always, had to take care of her family by doing things like ironing clothes and washing clothes and going to white people's houses and cleaning. My mother, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that what is that, one generation? Mm-hmm. And so uh, she had to do that and then walk two, three miles to catch the bus to get to school. And a lot of her sisters, three of her sisters, passed away from pneumonia because they would have to walk in the rain and they got drenched and they would get sick mm-hmm. and died. And a couple of my cousins, they, they they don't know their mother. They never knew her. And then the dad was somewhere else. And so I was like, wow. Hey. Very interesting that my parents were like that. And then my uncle said to me one time, he said, I tried to leave and go into the service. And word Mm -hmm. was sent to me that if I didn't come back, that the plantation owner was going to kick my family off the land. Mm -hmm. And so that my family could have a place to stay, I came back. So it was very hard. It was very hard. It was a life that I never wanted to live. And my mother, even while I was growing up, she would work in people's houses in Long Island and over where Flatbush, there weren't blacks over there in these Flatbush then. Only white people that own companies. Mm-hmm. They're all white. No. I mean, now it's all Caribbean and African, but 
back in the day when I was going, it was all white. And we considered the houses, the Victorian houses that were over there, mansions. And my mother, I remember this one woman she worked for. And then um, I called her up one time. I had a job um, working with Wayward Youth, and I was asking for a donation for a fundraiser. And she said, your mother was so nice. She said, she said, would you, have you thought about coming to work for me? And I was like, what? <laughs> have you thought about coming to work for me? I would like to have you because I know you just like your mom. Your mom was really good to us. And I said, I'm not clean. I'm not working to clean nobody's house but my own. Mm-hmm. She got angry. She was very angry. She said, what? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not cleaning nobody's house but my own. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, well, you take care. So she wouldn't donate the money, and I never spoke to her again. Right. And um, I was like, did she want another generation to come to the house and clean? And then mm-hmm. it's really interesting because when I come, when I'm in Brooklyn and I'm walking around, and I go, oh, my God. It's like it used to be in the 40s and the 50s mm-hmm. because you see all these black um, Central American and Caribbean women taking mm-hmm. care of kids and cleaning the house and the family goes out and that's all I see. You know, go to Prospect Park, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I go, go to walk down Eastern Parkway. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. we're taking care of these kids. The cycle is reversing. Right. It's reversing all the way back to 1619. Mm-hmm. It's reversing because when they came here, it's like you're being snatched from your culture. You don't know what they're saying. You don't know what they're doing. And in order to teach you, you have to be whipped, diminished, demeaned. And then forget all the horrific other things that happen sexually to the men, to the women, and the children. And then some of those things, those conditions, those um, incidents, they weren't incidents, the way we were broken Mm -hmm. in in order to live. And just to think that some of us wanted to live so bad mm-hmm. that we could endure what happened to us. Others said, I'd rather die than to go through this. So the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you take the children out of school. Um, I remember my mother used to tell me how hard it was for her to learn how to read because nobody really wanted to teach her. But then the schools mm-hmm. that she went to were all black. When she was growing up, there were no mixing. You had all black teachers, a black principal. Everybody was black. So whatever mm-hmm. they knew, they would, they would teach you, but some things they didn't know. And she had to learn on her own. So those were the kind of stories that I was told that made mm-hmm. me want to do more. And one of the things that, our parents and grandparents did that grandparents and parents don't do today is teach us ways of being able to take care of yourself 
you know, they don't do that anymore. Like, um, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, my mother would make sure anything that we wore that was too small for us, we would, first we'd take the buttons off, then we would tear the zippers off, and then we would take the actual material and cut it into squares and triangles and rectangles, and then we would sew, and then we would make the cover for the quilts. Mm-hmm. And that, it so that would keep us warm. So every winter we made, like, at least three, four quilts. Mm-hmm. My whole clothing. So now somebody else today would say, oh, the button is broke off those pair of pants. And throw them in the garbage or, or use a safety pin until it's torn up where the button goes and they throw them away. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if the zipper didn't work, they wouldn't go find another zipper that could fit in there. They would throw them away. Mm-hmm. If um, they were cold, they would say, I don't have any money to go buy any blankets. They wouldn't say, I got all these clothes laying around here. Let me take them and make some blankets so me and kids can stay warm. They wouldn't do that. They don't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. Refrigerators are full of processed food, which causes us to get sicker and sicker Mm -hmm. and sicker from various different diseases. That back in the day, that wouldn't happen because we had remedies. Mm -hmm. And anytime someone had my mother mother would go, okay, well, let's go to the store and get this. Well, what is that going to do? Well, that's going to help you get well from the chicken pops or from the measles or you know, there would be different teas, different styles. If a woman got sick, now today if we got like a, um, um, what do you call it, a cyst under our mm-hmm. arm or someplace, first thing we do is run to the doctor. But back in mm-hmm. the day, all the women, because I lived in an area where all my father's sisters and brothers, we all lived like in the same buildings or around the corner from each other. So there was no way that we would not have family near us mm-hmm. or that we could to. And so the woman would get together and say, so-and-so got a cyst. And they would get together and make different kind of styles and different ointments and stuff and put it on there until they got it to come out. Mm-hmm. Now you do that. How many thousands of dollars does that cost? Because mm-hmm. nobody has passed on some of the knowledge and, and the things that we brought with us from Africa. We don't know mm-hmm. anymore. We're so busy trying to be, um, I want to say, Americanized. Mm-hmm. I want to say Americanized and, 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 and follow how the Europeans do it. But we were the ones that taught the Europeans how to be clean and hygienic. Because they had the blue bonnet mm-hmm. plague, there was so many different diseases that happened in Europe, and it was like, you know, if you use soap and water, you could eliminate some of that. So mm-hmm. we don't get credit for anything other than to figure out how they can use us to serve them. Until this day, we're not taught mm-hmm. how we can have our own businesses. We're taught how we can work for somebody to make somebody else money. So um, those stories are the kind of things that, you know, my mother would save silver dollars for us. I had a bank Mm -hmm. account. She's like, you need to have a bank account. 
I'm like, a bank? Like, yes, you need to go put money in the bank. We learned that in school, mm-hmm. too. So in the first grade, they opened us up a bank account. Mm-hmm. We don't teach our children that anymore. They don't even know what a check is or how to write it or how to balance an account. They don't know anything mm-hmm. about that. So we're going back. To, so that was a little bit of me and a little bit of some of the stories that you asked for. Um, in terms mm-hmm. of God from those stories and um, right. no much because the families were separated except for, you know, if if one family member went north, then other family member would say, well, I'm going north too. And then they would leave mm-hmm. the parents behind and then we would go visit them every now and then. But then everyone, one sister would go north, the next brother would go north, another sister would go north. Everybody would be going north. Oh, you going north? I'm going north too. They didn't know that when they got north that it was going to be hard. Interestingly enough, we were able to have our own businesses. You know, my cousin had a fish market, so we never got fish from the store or supermarket. We went to my cousin's place and got fresh fish and um it was something that we just thought everybody did we didn't know that we were a group that was an exception to the rule everybody else was cleaning very sad my parents were so busy taking care of other people's children that they couldn't take care of their own and -hmm. when they tried it was very hard very hard Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to say. Um, when you were speaking before about how um, you wish that some of the things that you were learning in the past aren't continued or like the traditions aren't passed on. And so I was wondering, how do you hope that the future generation continues to remember and um, preserve their history and traditions um, as well? Well, this is what I believe. I believe that we have to understand where we come from in order to go forward, Sankofa. We have to. Nobody, I can watch television and at least minimum three times a year there's something on television about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to us, they'll say, what do you keep bringing that up for? It's over with. That's 400 years ago. No, that is not true. It was more than 400, mm-hmm. less than 400 years ago. People were still mm-hmm. slaves in the 40s and 30s, but we were set free in 1865. So I don't ever want a black, we don't even know what to call ourselves anymore. You know, mm-hmm. we went from being the N-word, to call us Negris, then they used mm-hmm. to call us Negroes, then we were colored people, then all of a sudden we were... African American, then we were black. There's nothing on me that resembles the color black. But when somebody else comes from another country, they'll say, Oh, they're Italian American. Oh, they're Jewish American. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're Asian American. So mm-hmm. what's wrong with being African American? Because I was born here. I was raised here. To be honest with you, why can't I just be American? But because we need to hold on to what our parents, our ancestors went through 
We need to know the fight, what was fought, the suffering, so that we won't sit around here, our boys walking the street with their pants below their derriere. Our, our young women walking around here all tattooed up, just thinking that it's very appealing to show your breasts or, or your, your lower extremities. Not that it's important to have an education. So back in the day, we needed to know how to take care of ourselves. A lot of us had fresh food. I never know my mother to cook anything that was processed. You know, when fish sticks came out, I remember when Mrs. Paul's fish sticks came out, they don't even sell them mm-hmm. anymore. We thought that was something amazing. But mm-hmm. once I got old, I realized it wasn't. It was nasty. It was good to have fresh fish, fresh vegetables. Our children don't even want to eat fresh vegetables anymore. We had to eat fresh vegetables. Mm-hmm. We had to learn how to detox ourselves. We had to learn how to keep from getting sick, how to keep from getting pneumonia, how to take care of our hair, how to take care of our skin. We did those things growing up. There's no way that they would allow us to walk outside not groomed. There's no way mm-hmm. that they would allow us to sit in the house and don't learn how to cook. There's no way that the young boys didn't know how to put things together, whether it be building or electricity. There's just no way our parents wouldn't sit down and say, well, if you don't feel good, you know, here, drink some of this tea. Drink this every day until you feel better. Because they couldn't afford to pay for doctors. So, mm-hmm. yes, would I love for us to keep learning those things, to not waste. We waste a lot, all because mm-hmm. we've learned to be lazy and how and how not to be self-sufficient. So I would like what was brought from back in the day, how to be self-sufficient. And that is all-inclusive because right now there's mm-hmm. so many programs that they feel, young people feel they don't need to be self-sufficient. I can go get money for this program. I can go get money for that. I'm not saying that the help shouldn't be there, but we have taught our children to be dependent on programs. And some men don't even want to come out of jail because they know when they come out, they're going to have to figure a way how to take care of themselves. And they won't be able to take care of themselves because most of them will have felonies so they can't get a job. And they go, you know what, let me go back to jail. At least I'm getting three squares. I got a place to lay my head. I don't have to do nothing if I don't want to, except for whatever job they give me, you know. And mm-hmm. they'll take the horrendous way of living just so they don't have to use their mind to do anything in order to be self-sufficient. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to see come back where we teach our young people how to have ownership. You know, the goal shouldn't be let me work for somebody, the goal should be let me figure out how to work for myself and make money and take care of my family. That should be the goal now. Not, well, when I grow up, I'm going to get a job. Uh, I don't have an education, so I guess I have to work at McDonald's. I don't have to do maintenance. I know that Minnesota has one of the largest East African populations in any other city in the United States. And they have those people to Minneapolis and all the jobs that black Americans would not do, they're doing. And because they do it, they show up to work on time, they're clean, they dress properly, they're not all tattooed up. They hire them 
because they know that they want to make money to live the American way than all the ones that used to do the job, and they know that they're going to get an education. Can you imagine somebody can't even speak the English language and don't even know what the letter A sounds like, can come here and learn the language and learn the alphabet, and three years from now, they're graduating from high school, Mm -hmm. college, they get together, they own a block, then they own two blocks, they own three blocks. Why can't we do that? And and what mm-hmm. is it about us that even when we try to do it, they'll put all kind of obstacles in the way. And mm-hmm. now how hard you have to fight in order to make that happen, even to buy a house. People come here from all over the world, are given houses. Mm-hmm. Here's $10,000 to put down on the house. We're going to pay your mortgage for a year, two years, until you get on your feet. Why can't they do that with us? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm sorry. Again, I went off, but I no, want no to. I, I want to um, have our people to learn who we are, what we've been through, where we come from, and how we can take that. Because now we are not African. We are African Americans because our ancestors were African, and because we're American, mm-hmm. we be able to live the American lifestyle without always having to fight. Like we're always fighting, mm-hmm. like fighting for our rights, fighting for equality, fighting to live decent, fighting, just fighting, just always fighting. That's exhausting. It's emotionally, mm-hmm. physically draining. And then you want us to have the energy to still go out there. It's hard to do. That's why so many people are committing suicide. That's why so many people are dying, killing their children. It's just, it's insane what we've come to in order to get us in line, to get us back in line. If you saw how many companies uses the prison system to make their product, you would be surprised. They have at least 50 companies, at least, minimum. So I, I would like for us to, to remember, to always remember, and stop telling us to forget because you don't tell nobody to forget the Holocaust. Nobody, not one of you. If you told the Jews to forget the Holocaust, they would jump on you like sardines in a can and will beat you to death if you told Mm -hmm. them to forget the Holocaust. Because the Holocaust is what makes them become as prominent as they are and want things as much as they are because they know what their ancestors went through. How dare you Mm -hmm. tell us to forget that for us? So um, before we end the interview today, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? No, I think I said a lot. I said a lot. I just, the only thing I want is our people to know that we made a hell of a sacrifice. Our ancestors made mm-hmm. a hell of a sacrifice for us to continue to be here as a people, as a people of color. They made a sacrifice. And because they made that sacrifice, we cannot continue to move backwards and let them down. We have to move forward and to be able to take care of our young so that we won't be systematically enslaved. That's, those are my last words, to stop being systematically enslaved. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories and your reflections with us today. You are very welcome.